Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the everyday American. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Asida, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in cybercrime, Dayton Williams. It's a pleasure to be here, Jacob. It's always great to have you. So before we go forward on this podcast, it's important to take some time to lay out a fundament of cybersecurity, understanding networking. From securing your home, your business, to just knowing if it's a good idea to connect to the coffee shop Wi-Fi, this episode has you covered. We'll be asking the big questions like, what are networks? What makes them tick? And what kind of cybersecurity challenges do they face? We'll also be discussing policies and practices designed to protect these networks from unauthorized access and misuse with a NetSec expert. And before we get into how to protect networks, we need to first understand what a network is. Simply put, a network is a collection of computers and other devices known as nodes. These nodes are arranged in patterns and communicate with each other using a protocol of some kind. Think of protocols as a set of rules that define how these nodes talk to each other. Networks are layered and rely on systems working together to operate. Understandably, this can get complicated, so we're going to try to explain networking with an analogy. So, Jacob, you've worked at the post office before. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go postal for a sec. Like a computer network... The postal system separates the labor of sending mail across the country, across a series of layers. Imagine you're sending a letter to a friend through the mail. Provided you both speak the same language and can read each other's handwriting, we can assume you understand each other. Letter mail is picked up from the post office in your city and delivered to a delivery depot. Often mail is transferred between airplanes, to trucks, to vans, to eventually their city and their mailbox. Each airport or delivery station more or less operates independently in order to deliver your letter. And if there's a mistake in your sending address, the letter will be sent back to you. None of the drivers of the trucks or pilots of the planes ever really pay attention to who the letters are from, or the contents of the letters, or whether they contain a heartfelt love note or just a picture of your golden retriever. I'm not sure you realize, but that analogy is actually quite apt. While it's not perfect, it actually gives a good sense of how networking works. The letter itself is actually a good example. For instance, whatever the content is, be it your heartfelt note, your golden retriever, or maybe it's your tax returns for the year, you end up wrapping that in the letter itself. In networking, an equivalent would be putting that data inside of a packet that you're then sending out, and then putting on top of that packet different headers that'll tell where that letter or where your internet message is going to be being sent. So just like the Postal Service, networks users don't really know the specifics of you know what router or what kind of machines and information is passing through across various layers of networking, but it works by reading all these different uh, aspects of the header and the packet. We get our mail and we get our email. That being said, physical mail is not impenetrable and can be intercepted and read without permission. And the contents can be used to blackmail or extort the sender, a la your tax returns. In the postal network, there are some serious laws against tampering with people's mail. Mail tampering is a federal crime, and if you're caught, you can receive jail time or be fined upwards of $250,000. There are huge incentives for criminals and other 'er ne'er-do-wells to steal information and use it. Computer networks, unsurprisingly, are much the same, continuing the analogy, of course. According to the Breach Level Index, in the year 2017, over 2.6 billion records were stolen, lost, or exposed worldwide, which is an 88% increase from 2016. 
2017 is also the first year where publicly disclosed breaches surpassed the 2 billion mark since BLI began tracking breaches and other forms of data compromises. Network security is ultimately a discussion of the various layers of a network and how attacks are leveraged at each of them. Specifically today, we'll be talking on the application layer. Think of this in terms of like an app or any program you're running on your computer. The transportation layer, which as the name implies, has to do with the transportation or transmission of data to the appropriate services and to make sure it arrives in the correct order. It has a lot to do with policies being employed. Below that is the network layer, which has to do with packet forwarding and routing. Basically, it makes sure that what you send goes out of your network and as well as can navigate inside of your network. A good example of a security device for this is a firewall. And the last layer we will talk about is the data link layer, which is concerned with the local area delivery of data to devices on networks, you know, like an ethernet cord. Now, this is a vast oversimplification of networks, but it will help you understand what we're talking about. Additionally, there are other layers that we won't be covering, but instead we're going to be focusing on these four in particular today. So let's try to get a better sense of this as we turn now to our guest. Uh, my name is Tamara Faye. I am an adjunct professor at uh, the George Washington University. I've been teaching a lot of classes um, on security, uh, network security, uh, wireless network security, uh, computer security in general. Well, great. Thank you for coming on. I'd like to go through like a breakdown of the process of connecting to a website. So let's talk about the sort of layers that go into networking. What are they used for? And then we're going to go into like what's, what kind of attacks can be levied on those. So could you break down the process of connecting to a website for us? Sure. So when you're connecting to a website, um, the first thing that happens is that you, you type in a URL that corresponds to the uh, URL of that website. Um, and then what will happen is uh, web traffic is based on a protocol called the Hypertext Transfer Protocol. So your request is going to be represented using that protocol. Uh, the first thing that your computer needs to know is um, what is the translation of that URL into an IP address? Um, all devices on the internet use this 32-bit number, which is the IP address, to represent them. We use URLs just because it's easier for us to be able to remember as opposed to a 32-bit number. Um, so there has to be a translation between that URL and the address corresponding to it. And there's a there's a service that is uh, in the, on the internet that is called the domain name service that provides that translation for us. So that's primarily the first thing uh, that happens. After that, your request is going to have to be sent out to uh, the web server that hosts that site. Uh, all web traffic is carried over a transmission control protocol, which is the transport layer. In a sense, this is your entry point out to the global internet. Um, and it takes the traffic that you, uh, or, or your, your request for that website, and it encapsulates it within that transmission control uh, protocol. The transmission control protocol is connection-oriented in the sense that it likes to establish a connection to be able to track whether the data that you're sending or receiving from the website has been received correctly or not. And to do, the, to do that, it establishes a connection. So that's the next thing that happens. Once the connection is established and your traffic can flow between your web browser and uh, the web server. So an attack can be levied at any part of this process, correct? That's correct. So what sort of attacks could these be? What do they look like? So there are different forms, of course. Um, looking at it from a sort of a top-down approach, if you're looking at it from the application level perspective, which is on one end is your um, uh, web browser, 
on another end is the web server that hosts the site that you're connecting to. On the browser side, there could be an attack like taking advantage of a vulnerability that exists in the browser and leveraging that to get access to your host. Uh, it could also be possible, um, it, you know, particularly with respect to web applications, uh, things like um, your uh, bank account or your um, yeah, email um, access service. It could also be possible that they can steal um, information about that session. Usually when we deal with web applications, uh, web servers like to maintain a sense of who you are and where you are in your session. So they, they create this thing called a session identifier for you. And if that session identifier is stolen, it is possible that someone could uh, kind of jump in the middle of your session and pretend to be you. And that's where you would get into privacy violations. You know, your, your private information could be, uh, could be stolen. Uh, taking it down into the, uh, the transport layer, for example, which carries your data as we described, uh, it is possible for someone to do denial of service attacks. In that case, basically, you know, it could be launched against a web server to basically deny it uh, or deny users access to that web server. And it could do that by faking a whole bunch of different connections to it to the point where it runs out of a pool of connections that it typically is configured to be able to support. You could go down, down even uh, lower than that. It is possible that someone uh, on your network could convince you that he is or it, you know, that, that entity represents the site that you want to connect to. Uh, and in a sense, they can do what we call a man-in-the-middle attack. And in that sense, convince you that he is the uh, entity that you want to connect to. Take your traffic, inspect it, be able to see everything in it. But then at the same time, sort of uh, tunnel it back to where you really want to access. Um, and you know, as the traffic is slowing back to you, they can also inspect it as well. So the sort of threats that people are facing differ depending on what sort of actor they are. You know, like a business might have certain threats. Say, you know, a financial institution institutions probably going to have very widespread threats. But for the everyday person, what sort of networking threats are they really looking at? Where what's the most common attack for them? What should they be prepared to see? Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're, different, they're different things. So first of all, attackers are after uh, your financial information because you know, there's money there that they could steal. They could, if they can get access to your credit card, they can use it to buy things. They're also after the resources that are, are on your computer because uh, you know, it is possible for them, if it is possible for them to be able to control your device, they could use it for a bunch of different reasons. One of them could be for distribution of malware. One of them could be as part of a larger scale denial of service attack where they could use you know, hundreds of thousands or even million devices, millions of devices like yours to be able to launch an attack against uh, a specific entity. And it could also uh, be to, you know, to spread out spam, for example. Um, and you know, there's money involved in that, which uh, makes it a valuable target for them to be able to have access to as many devices as they can. Really seems like you're way late on all fronts. So what sort of steps can we really take to secure browsing? Yeah, so first of all, a browser is an application. Applications have vulnerabilities, and uh, that's why we have updates. So first of all, make sure that your browser is up to date. That's the first thing. The second thing is uh, there are things, there are plugins that you could use in your browser that would do filtering. Uh, filtering against sites that you're not supposed to you know, be redirected at in some cases, or accidentally go to you, or you know, maybe based on a search that you've done, uh, you, you, you know, you, you got, a, you got a back a search result that you ended up clicking on that is, you know, 
uh, it takes you something where you you know to, to, to some malicious site or something like that. So there are filters that you could uh, attach to your browser as uh, plugins. Um, also, uh, when you're using web applications, make sure that um, uh, you uh, when you log in, you always log out. Make sure you have a valid uh, password. Make sure that you're always using uh, HTTPS for web traffic, which basically corresponds to the security functionality that is pro provided for web traffic to ensure its integrity uh, and also its confidentiality. So anything that is accessing private information in, in, in nature, you want to make sure that you're accessing it using HTTPS. And browsers have an easy way of identifying that. They usually put a lock in the URL to tell you that you are over a secure connection. Okay, so say I wanted to be a little bit more proactive. How would I monitor my own network or how would I start to monitor my own network? So there are different things you could do depending on the level of sophistication. Um, so um, there are intrusion detection systems that you could use that basically monitor traffic in and out, and they can tell you if they see anything that is of known signature as, uh, as, as a known type of an attack. You could also go a little further and do things um, more manual where you can get a, um, a packet capture software like Wireshark uh, or, um, in general, TCP dump that um, you know, typically exists on any uh, Linux operating system. And Wireshark runs on, on every major operating system. And what that does is it allows you to uh, capture and inspect all the traffic coming out and going in into your device. Um, you can then go and look to see if you see anything that is suspicious in nature. Let's say I'm someone who doesn't really understand how Wireshark works. What would be something that I could view as an anomaly? That's easy for me to say, like, oh, this is, this is a problem. So a lot of times it... It, you know, it, it, it could be a combination of what you see on Wireshark, but also some of the things that you could see on, on, um, on your browser. So an anomaly could be that you're getting a pop-up from your browser that says, I don't trust this site. Even though that you think that you're going to a site that you have had access to before and you haven't had that problem before, you can, looking at that message and combining that with what you could capture over Wireshark, you could get a sense of what is going on. It could be possible that you thought that you're going to the right website, but somehow you got redirected. Um, and you can combine these two clues into trying to figure out what is going on. There's a lot of hubbub now about using VPNs and a greater concern for privacy, especially with like the Cambridge Analytica um, recent, news are, recent news. Would you say that using a, view, a VPN right now is like essential? And if it is, how would I go about getting one? Is it particularly hard to install? It's not very hard to install. Uh, it's... Um, you know, the level of usage of it really depends on your device and depends on how far you want to go with your security. Um, so VPNs is going to give you the, uh, you know, confidentiality, integrity of your traffic between your host and the VPN gateway. Uh, and depending on where that VPN gateway is, it's going to give you the security in between. But beyond that, when it goes out of the VPN gateway out to Whatever you're requesting, whatever website you're getting at, you're trying to get access to, there's no level of security that is provided there. So I would think it's providing some level of anonymity in terms of um, what your traffic pattern looks like. But from the perspective of securing your browser against malicious sites or malicious uh, software or, or vulnerabilities that may exist on your browser, it's not going to do much there. Right. Do you have a particular subject that you're interested in right now, just with, do you think is a hot topic in network security that you think should have greater attention put on it? Well, so, I mean, I think one of the interesting things that uh, is, is gaining up a lot of attention right now is um, the notion of looking at uh, the design of the internet 
and how it was valid back in the 70s when it, when it initially started um, from the perspective of security and from the pr perspective of performance and all that, it was valid. But then looking at it right now was the evolution of the uh, Internet from a perspective of the kind of applications that we run on it, the kind of security that we need, and whether IP is really um, the correct solution for it. So there has been some programs that looked at uh, if we were to redesign the Internet today to be better from a performance perspective and better from a security perspective, what would it look like? And there has some solution, has been some solutions that were introduced which are you know, very interesting and they solve a lot of the problems that we have. But the major problem, of course, is that for you to be able to realize any of these, you know, you're going to have to start from scratch, and that's not very practical. It's going to have to be something that we transition to over time. Um, you know, they, these usually are looked at as transformational technologies. They can transform the way um, you communicate. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to be better for us from performance and security perspective, but it can't just happen overnight. It has to take its time. So we're looking at maybe 10 to 15 years before we can actually realize any of these uh, technologies. You know, on the good side, there's interest enough from the academic community. There's actually a lot of interest also from industry. So it's picking up a lot of pace. I mean, that's good. I mean, uh, like in its original formation, the internet wasn't made for these security ideas. You know, we've had to, this has been the case with most of cybersecurity is that we didn't design this technology to think about security first. Right, and if we have an opportunity to relook at it and actually come up with newer architectures that could you know, provide, a better, provide us with better security and better performance, definitely worth looking at. Um, the challenge has always been, how do we apply that? Well, thank you so much. No problem. Network security is but a piece of the cybersecurity pie. However, most people don't think about it at all. It's something that is simply assumed to work. And when it doesn't, well, I'm sure you've been around when free Wi-Fi drops off for people. We don't want to see how the sausage is made when it comes to how data from our computers goes off into the internet. The process as we have seen it is complicated enough without even speaking of security concerns. So what is our takeaway from all this? Do you need to become a networking wizard to sniff all the packets at home? No, that's a bit overkill for most people. Instead, think of this as more of a lesson of future topics. So when you hear about a breach, you can think about it in terms of networks a little bit better. Increasingly, attacks are being leveraged at basically all layers of networking. So you may be asking, how can I be smart and safe? Well, for starters, that internet cafe with the publicly known password, maybe don't use that to do your online banking. Just try to keep the networks you trust for more sensitive materials. Weak network security can mean more than just someone watching your traffic. It can mean someone manipulating your traffic or even forcing you to download malware. So, Jacob, network security is a, is a huge issue, and it's something that can affect us all. Do you have any personal experience with something like this? Well, not me personally, but my uh, cousin experienced a very trying time for this sort of thing. I mean, it began with just a targeted attack against her school itself, but it quickly spread into her own personal network and then continued to exist on her network for a very long time, basically forcing her to replace every aspect of her network in order to regain her security. You know, with network security, if you get access to, you know, the home router for somebody, that could be the end for the, for that network, you know? it's It's not going to be... Basically, they're everywhere, and you're not going to be able to uh, hide from them. You know, it doesn't matter how how secure your computer is. If it's having to go through a box that's been compromised, it's not going to be. You know, your all of your traffic and everything is going to be subject to that person. Right, right. And when you connect to that that public Wi-Fi in a coffee shop, um, 
it, it introduces a lot of uh, potential for, for damage on your own computer. Uh, I mean, there's like it's a very common scam for people to have like portable routers or portable Wi-Fi hotspots and allow people to like willingly connect to them for, for nefarious purposes. Right. I mean, some people don't even bother with the Wi-Fi hotspot. They just pick out a very fairly cheap piece of technology called a Wi-Fi pineapple. And that can basically mm. let you pretend to be anybody else's network. And then all you need to do, for example, would be to make a fake landing page for like your email. And then you're entering in your password, username and password for your email. And now that person just has it. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it doesn't really take a lot of time to name your network Starbucks free Wi-Fi. No, it's it's fairly easy. I'm it, there's a there's a lot that goes into you know the the sort of attacks that could be leveraged against you, and it's really hard to just even talk about them. I mean, for instance, you know you could just flood someone's phone with just phony, uh, like phony hotspots that don't that aren't anything. They're just jumbles, so they can't actually find a real hotspot. There's so many different things that you can do, and oftentimes, in terms of you know large scale cybersecurity, we're talking about network security as part of. Is part of a larger thing, you know. It's it's going to be used to as part of a larger attack, and that's really what we're covering here today, rather than a specific thing for individuals and how you're supposed to be secure when you're connecting to like a Wi-Fi coffee shop. Well, the short answer to that is obviously don't, but uh, you know, it's <laughs> right, uh, I, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> Decrypted is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under grant number 1433425 for the CyberCorp program at the George Washington University. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation. <laughs>